We're back and we are Bones to Pick, where we've got an issue with everything. everything. All right, guys. So as y'all know, we're still trying to get used to quarantine radio or quarantine podcast. Um, last week, I realized I was really, really loud. So I'm also in my room and it's like a little spacious. So there might be a little echo, but I'm really going to try to be aware of my volume. Um, so we're going to start off with our So Tell Me Why. Guys, this week, my spirit was being tested extremely. Okay. So on Monday, celebrated my 28th birthday. Woo, go me. Um, but then shortly after, the day after, um, me and my man were leaving. I'm taking my mom her Mother's Day gift, which Mother's Day is tomorrow. Um, she, she already opened her gift, though. But I'm leaving my apartment, and my neighbor who um, is always arguing with her man, she literally approaches me and she's like, so I'm literally locking my door. I'm literally putting my key in my door and she literally comes out her apartment and she's like, sweetheart, and you know what's going on. I was like, excuse me? She's like, you know who he fucking, you you sleeping with my husband. So mind you, my boyfriend is with me. He's already stepped out in front of me to go down the stairs. I live on the fourth floor of my building. And I'm like, I'm not sleeping with your husband. Like, you're really, you're bugging out right now. And my boyfriend is like, sleeping with, her, sleeping with your husband. Nobody can F my beat. And we, me and her are now going back and forth. And I just feel so embarrassed because I heard her throwing off comments, like, in the hallway when they were arguing. But to genuinely accuse me of sleeping with your man and then to do it in front of my boyfriend, like, I was really embarrassed. I was really pissed. And I don't think my boyfriend has ever seen me that upset because, um, we were going to drive. And if you know me, you know, I do not have my license. So this for me was like a practice runner, just like some experience on the road. Um, and I was like screaming at the top of my lungs at my, uh, building super. And I was just like, yo, like they need to get out. Like they're a nuisance family. Like they're always arguing. They leave shit in the hallway. They're just nasty. Um, I don't know what their previous living experience was, but it's not pleasant having them as neighbors. Um, I will say the following day, her and her man were arguing again. This time they both in the hallway. When she pressed me, her man was home. She had already kicked them out, mind you. So now me and my man are going, we're leaving the building again. She's in front of her door with it open. Her man is in the landing. And so we walk past them. And her I don't even think her man knew she said anything to me. You know, there were no exchange of words. But uh, it was just really crazy because, like, you literally just accused me of sleeping with your man. But now you got this man back in your house and all this stupid shit. Um, just for the record, I did not sleep with her man. I would never do that. Like, ew, you're across the hall from me. I love my man. I love fucking my man. I don't want nobody else's dick but my man. Like, ew. It was just like, it was really a lie and I was really upset. Um, but the same day me and my man came back home, um, maybe about an hour and a half, two hours after we got settled in, she knocks on my door and she's like, I'm like, yeah, she's like, oh, this is your neighbor. I'm like, okay, what's up? She's like, oh, I just wanted to apologize for yesterday. And I was like, okay, thank you. Like, and like she, I, I wouldn't open my door at first. I was talking to her through the door, mainly because I was undressed. Like I didn't have on pants. Um, and I was just like, no, I understand. Like, it's fine. I appreciate your apology. Um, she did say something. I can't remember what that made me open the door, but I just told her, you know, that was just embarrassing. And I understand that you were in a rage and you were upset, but like, you don't do shit like that. My man is here. You see me all the time. You never said anything to me. And why would I be sleeping with your man when you actively see me with my man coming over? You like, you can literally hear like, when people are in the apartment. So you know I'm here with someone else, or maybe you don't, but I'm not sleeping with your man, sis. I'm not sleeping with your man. She tried, to, then she tried to say, yeah, you right. I'm, I'm, I was bugging out. I'm sorry, I want to be the big person, but you know, he's sleeping with a man. And I was just like, okay, this tea is too hot for me. Like, I just don't want to be involved. Keep y'all shit on y'all side of the hallway because I don't got nothing to do with that. Um, it was really fucking like crazy and I just did not appreciate that shit. And it just made me feel like, wow, 28 is not, is not starting off real fucking great right now. Um, yeah, that shit was crazy, y'all. It was real fucking bizarre. Like, I couldn't believe her. I could not fucking believe her. Yeah, I don't know how you was able to, you know, handle all of that crew. Like, <laughs> it seems like a lot of chaos. <laughs> and Why would she, was she not minding her business or something like that? It wasn't a matter of her not minding her business. It was more like, you're upset, you're insecure, and so you're attacking me because I live across from you. I literally, when I have sex, like, I mean, this is a little TMI, but I know she can hear me and Monica having sex, like, bitch, because sometimes we'd be in a living room, and it, my living room is connected to, like, my hallway. It's just, like, a big space. So you know I just got dick two days ago on my birthday last night. Why are you starting with me, bitch? 
But yeah. my man had my back. That bitch was about to get bopped with, with the motherfucking air fryer. Like, it felt good that, like, my man had my back and shit. So I think, like, and I also knew she was saying bullshit. Like, because I hear their bullshit all the time. It's just, you're upset and insecure. And now you're trying to bring me into it. Bitch, don't play on me. We will fuck you up in this hallway, bitch. Yes, cruel. Tell them. Tell them. <laughs> Annie D, you have some exciting and more positive news. Drum rolling. Okay, that's me drum rolling against my thighs. I'm not sure if you can really hear because there's not much there, but <laughs> yes, I um, recently got admitted into Georgetown Law. Um, I'll be starting um, in the fall. Um, I will be moving to DC, so that's pretty exciting. Anyone who is from the DC area, um, please feel free to reach out to me. Let me know what there's some amazing spots to go to, visit, etc. Um, this will be a new experience for me. I've never lived, um, you know, outside, like lived in another state, like permanently. So um, this is definitely exciting, but also nerve-wracking. Um, I know um, some people already are going to ask, like, aren't you in law school now? Yes, I'm in law school now, so I am am transferring. And the reason why I'm transferring, it has a lot to do with um, just being able to maximize um, my job opportunities. So um, I currently go to a school that's geared towards um, public interest, which is what I'm very, very passionate about, um, but it's not as high ranked. And unfortunately, in the society that we lived in, that's fortunately filled with um, so many white supremacists um, hmm. uh, who are basically holding back or providing barriers for people of color to even get into navigate the legal world. They will find any reason not to allow you in some spaces and even in the public spaces, right? So I understand that like when it comes time to corporate, you definitely have to go to like the top, you know, 14 schools um, to get even a, a chance at those opportunities. Um, and so for me, um, although I'm not going in, yes. Wait, so are you switching from public to private sector now? No, 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 I'm staying in public interest. I was explaining to them that most people will say like, oh, like you definitely know that when it comes time to private, you have to go to the top 14 schools. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm staying in public. So the reason why I'm, why I'm still transferring is because unfortunately, even in the public sector, um, there are certain opportunities that's not granted to you, not only because of the color of your skin and you know your gender, but also because of where you go. And I remember personally, one of my friends, in law school, she had an interview with the Federal Public Defender's Office. Um, amazing um, opportunity. Like, if you want to be a public defender, like, the, you know, working in a federal office is like the top, 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 top tier. And so she she's smart, amazing, very talented, a lot of experience. And she interviewed with them and they were just like, you know, this is your grade and all, but, you know, we want to see if you could actually keep up with the Yales and the Harvards. And it's just like, dang, like, why does it matter? Like, why, despite how smart you may be, despite, you know, how passionate you may be out the work, why does it matter, like, what school you go to? We're still getting, we're still learning the same things. Some of us don't even have money to be able to afford. The reason why some of us go to the school that we go to now is because of how affordable it is, you know? And so I love the school that I'm at right now. I love it because it's around people who actually care about helping those in need, and that's what I'm really passionate about. Um, It's just that, unfortunately, it's going to be hard for me to be able to um, navigate the legal world in different um, aspects um, without providing um, a well-named top brand, um, top-ranked school. And so, like, that's, that's, the, that's the reason why um, I'm transferring. One of the reasons why. But, yeah, Osa, what are you going to say? Wiz? Uh, I completely forgot now. <laughs> but um, I'm happy that you got into Georgetown. Um, and oh yeah, I remember now, like what you're going through now is 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 um is sad, but it's also something that a lot of um a lot of people go through when they're going thinking about college too, you know, like a lot of job opportunities are based on in our society are based like that, are based on, you know, this status. And that's what it, and like maybe that's a conversation we should have. Is is going to school is education more for like to get education or more so for a status, you know? Exactly. No, it's true. It's true. And it's it's honestly really frustrating. I mean, um, we, yeah, that's a really good conversation. I think we should like, you know, flush out. Y'all both in education, so I, I you know, 
you know, we should talk about that. Not today, but, you know, maybe sometime in the future. I would love to, like, see our perspective on that and um, especially how going into school, being teachers, and how, one, then you were a teacher and who you are now, um, and thinking about, especially at school, how are you then knowing this knowledge, putting that into your students? Are you helping them, like, how, how are students now being able to navigate, you know, higher education when it comes to, uh, when, especially when it comes to um, uh, job opportunities? And especially, I mean, we'll talk about this later, how education is going to transform in the age of Corona. But, you know, we'll talk. Nice. Yeah, I'm happy for you. Though. Thanks. So, Wiz, do you have any So Tell Me Why? If not, we can move on. Well, I got a lot of So Tell Me Why's. <laughs> Pick one. Okay so, for, okay, so I'll say this because I, I was fussy on, uh, on Twitter. So, um, so yesterday I, I tweeted that, like, I didn't like the Drake album it was asked because... I'll say that I listened to it three times. The first time, I wasn't really fucking with it. Second time, I still wasn't. But yes, after I tweeted that, I was like, smoking, playing video games. I'm not going to lie. That album is not that bad. It's not as trash as I thought it was. And it irked me so bad for tweeting it because I was like, it's ass. And like, I don't know. It just bothered me inside how much like I kind of was wrong. It's not a complete, it's not his best work, but it's definitely not. A, I was wrong for calling it ass. So um, that's my soul telling me why myself. I wanted to... Uh, Hit up like one of my friends because uh, we were discussing it on uh, on Twitter. But yeah, but, yeah, that's my little thing. Yeah, we honestly, I love Drake. I actually really love the album. Um, Danielle, congrats on your acceptance as well. And Wiz, I definitely think we can flesh out the education conversation. Maybe it can be our next um, podcast episode because school is ending shortly and shortly returning because you know our summer breaks are short as fuck. Um, so yeah, I definitely think we should talk about that um, in the in the near future. But now we're gonna jump right in. Um, so while we're on the topic of Corona, because this has clearly not, well, yeah, we won't we say cis because they said a guy doesn't stay around this long. So <laughs> we're gonna give a female pronoun to the Corona. <laughs> That's bad funny. It's super funny. I haven't seen the memes. I'm just like, y'all are annoying. But cis has not let up. She's not let up. I don't know if she is going to let up. But we do know that uh, apparently things are looking on the bright side. I don't know what to believe anymore. But uh, um, Governor Cuomo has a plan to reopen NYC. And in this plan, it's supposed to start after uh, May 15th, if we stay on schedule, which is in another six days, a day short of a week. Um, we're supposed to go through phase one where uh, like constructions and like like more, uh, I, I don't want to say major corporations, but Corporations that I guess are able to institute this six foot policy and like show that like people can return to work in an environment that's safe, they will open first. And if that goes well and numbers stay decreased, it will lead to phase two and phase three and all these things. And I just want to know like, what is you guys' thoughts on reopening NYC? Do you, so we shut down, I want to say March 15th, the weekend of March 15th, this is two short months later. What do you guys think of the reopening? Um, Danny D, I'm going to start with you. Um, to be honest, um, I don't, I'm not sure if we should be reopening anytime soon. Um, I think that we're having a hard time. Like, I, I think that because it's going to be so nice out, it's, it's almost summer. We're in spring right now. It's, we're already having a hard time staying in. Like, there's a lot of people who are still out, um, enjoying themselves. And I'm kind of jealous because I haven't been outside, um, much, um, I need to, you know, to take out and take a step, um, take a walk, but there are actually people hanging out, you know, turning up, whether it's on a beach, whether it's in a park, you know, whether it's in front of their stoop, um, but there's people still doing that. And so I'm just afraid that if we reopen so soon, um, you know, people are going to get excited, <laughs> you know, the brunch is about to be lit. Um, people are going to just like, you know, we don't know how to act. I think when something is taken away from you for such a long period of time, um, you know, we have a relapse. Um, and that relapse, I think, is going to be um, prevalent in a lot of our communities. Um, and it's going to be very hard for us to, I guess, contain whatever this virus is. Because let's be fair, it's true. We, we have seen a difference. Like, the, there's definitely declining um, the amount of people who are being hospitalized for the coronavirus, um, but it can quickly come back. Um, and there can be a lot of people who can get infected. Like now we have this new 
um, virus that may be tied to coronavirus that's actually impacting young kids. You know, we don't really know that much information about that, but you know, what happens if a lot of more kids are um, being infected? And so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm part of me just really just want this to be over um, because I do miss outside. I do miss human interaction, but if it takes me just staying in for a couple more months just to actually like fully beat this virus, um, then that's what's more important to me, so. Um, for me, so it's a, there is, it's a more complicated issue than just reopening, right? Because, and I, I'll say this, I, I trust enough of Cuomo's plan, how it's laid out. Um, even the whole reopening term doesn't necessarily mean that like we're all going to be you, out there, right fine not to cut you off with are you familiar with the plan if so can you go step by step or just give us a synopsis i can give you a synopsis best i can do is give you a synopsis i'm not gonna i don't know the detailed plan like that um so stage one it's like Diani said earlier it's a lot of still not now not essential businesses can open but those businesses have to be something like construction businesses that can't where you cannot work from home um where your employees cannot work from home and it's up to those kind of, so kind of those, um, those businesses to be able to um, pr implement social distancing. You have to prove to the city that you can do it before you actually open. So that's stage one. And after that, depending, and then on, with that, it's also like uh, increasing mass testing. So making sure the testing capacity for the states are increased widely and then making sure like there's enough um, PPEs and uh, protect and gearing up and uh, ramping up and all those stuff. That's really stage one. Stage two is based upon if the numbers really decline or we've seen a uh, steady, in, um, not decrease in cases of new, of new cases. So we see a steady decrease, a real steady sharp decrease um, in new cases. We go in stage two and that's where a little bit more non-essential businesses can open and that's kind of, um, I think it's still not, re it's restaurants where I think they can only do takeout. Um, so like, yeah, right, like, yeah, the brunch, long story short, unless you're an essential worker and you, or your job, you can't do your job at home, you won't, you still probably be at home until probably Labor Day. So, um, yeah, so like, you don't, I, I don't, and then what I personally feel about it is it doesn't change. A, a lot of things don't change for me depending on it because I, luckily enough, I have the ability to work from home. I think I'm going to exercise that for a long period of time until I personally feel comfortable to leave and take the subway. Um, and then for my family, like my parents are still kind of working. So whether, because both of them work in the hospital, so it doesn't change um, whether like they've been working this whole thing. You know what I mean? My girl's working the whole thing too. So like, you know, things aren't really going to change for me whether or not New York is open or not, because I'm not like that rest. We're not going to see normal life anytime soon. Um, and I think that's something that like we all have to get used to. Like this is not going away. It's not something that's going to go away. You know, after three months of like we're just staying in. It's I don't know. It's probably going to come back again in the in the fall because of like flu season. There isn't a vaccine for it, and it's still very easily asymptomatic, right? The thing that people also need to understand because this virus is new, um, a lot of these plans are tentative. So like yeah, we might open on 15, but we might just close back again. Partly because of a lot of new, more new information is coming out about the virus. Um, like a really key information a lot of people don't know about this. It's not a respiratory virus, actually. People think it's because you, you're coughing and all. And that's why people originally thought it's only going to affect older people because of like how um, the early symptoms of it being a respiratory virus. Um, but actuality, what people, what the studies are finding that it's actually, uh, it's causing blood clots actually it's causing like clots in your blood and that's what's causing inflammation in the lungs and causing respiratory where it's attacking like people with low immune system in their lungs because it's causing blood clots there and that's causing the inflammation in the lungs and that's what they're coughing um what they're noticing now and that's what's called um kind of affecting young kids is the same those same um, blood clots having different effects on people so like young people around our ages some of them are there's a it's a big spike in people dying of um Heart attacks, which why, which is also a thing of why the numbers might be misdiagnosed. There are a lot of young people who are dying of stroke and heart attack at a young age that might be cause of COVID because of these like the way the way the virus is attacking. Um, long story short, to say is yeah, I'm gonna stay my ass in the crib for a very long time until and and a lot of this and just be careful too, and especially with the amount of information people are getting, how you take it in. And make sure you verify things. I mean, a lot, a lot of my um, 
again, I'm very lucky that I get a lot of information from my job itself. Um, I'm lucky enough to work for like an institution that um, does a lot of research. I work for a financial research firm and they cover this thing just because, you know, they got to cover it for like uh, for the stock markets and stuff like that. And, and that's a big effect. And they get a lot of information that isn't necessarily, I wouldn't say public, but is disseminated really late, like lagging, lagging information. Um, so that's me for, you know, so that's what I've been coping with. And that's why I think we need to really envision, you know, get used to like thinking about how uh, uh, we're going to live going forward. Because it's this is going to be here for a while. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Liz. Um, so I pulled up the governor.ny.gov website. And so it says, CDC guidelines based on CDC recommendations, regions must experience a 14-day decline in hospitalizations and deaths on a three-day rolling average. Regions with few COVID cases cannot exceed 15 new total cases or five new deaths on a three-day rolling average. A region must have fewer than two new COVID patients admitted per, per 100,000 residents per day. Priority industries for reopening. Um, and this says uh, governor.ny.gov and it says regional guidelines for reopening New York. So it says businesses in each region will reopen in phases. Phase one, construction, manufacturing, and wholesale supply chains. Select retail using curbside pickup only. So kind of like you said about restaurants. And again, each phase depends on the previous phase. So now phase two would be professional services, finance, and insurance. You might be going back sooner than you think. Oh, joking, joking, <laughs> joking, joking. My ass ain't going back anytime soon. I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. Um, retail, administrative support, real estate, and rental leasing. Phase three, restaurants and food service, hotels and accommodation. Phase four, arts, entertainment, and recreation, so like museums and the parks, and then education. So I like you, always. I am not uh, reopening in whatever phase does not affect me until rather later on. And to be transparent, I feel like you. I feel like one thing that I'm trying to grapple with is I feel like we are really seeing ourselves, we're really showing our asses right now. I feel like because we live in an age of technology and a lot of things are sped up for us, we expect the same to be with medicine and this new virus. Who's we? You mean the United States? No, I mean society as a whole. Like, I just think like you, people are not being accepting of like what it means to be truly sick, what it means for this thing to be new, and what it really means to fight it. Like, I want to have a hot girl summer part two as well, but it's more important for me to live and have 50 more hot girl summers than just this one. Um, and I think like a lot of people are just being selfish in their wants and needs. And don't get me wrong, I am definitely a person like I need outside. So yes, I do take walks. I wear my mask. Um, you know, I pick days like, okay, I went to the grocery store this day. I'm probably not going back outside until that day. Um, so I try to go outside in, in stages and segments because my fear and anxiety is very much so high and real. Um, but I think people just need to realize like this is something that's going to take its course. I was actually reading up on a Spanish flu because it is being compared to that epidemic or pandemic, which lasted about two to three years. Um, and it came in waves, kind of like what you said. I, 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 my fear, just like you, is if we do reopen, right? Like, let's say we go all the way up to phase two, phase three. I agree that by the fall, this is going to bite us in the ass. And I think what's really going to suck about the fall is that's cold season. Like, we're getting great weather now. Um, and I mean, one positive will be that people will absolutely want to be more motivated to stay inside. But I do think by then, the damage may already be done. Um, and I think, like, as research continues to develop like we just need to have more grace and patience this is not like building an iphone where i can bring one out every september should i could speed it up to every three months this is something that is natural and we have to remember that certain things just have to take their course and we have to just adapt i think that's the best thing that we have to do as far as i think about the future is being adaptive life is all about being adaptive we were once nomads look at us we're living in houses and we have certain lighting that we can use and certain ones that are not great for us so i think it's just like realizing that as humans we just have to adapt to life in whatever form shape it takes which can bring me to my next couple of questions i have for you guys what are some of the current what, what are some of the things you're struggling with now that you think you're going to have to adapt in the future as in like your personal life as in like your day-to-day -day? danny 
Um, to be honest, um, I haven't really been doing much. So it's just literally school and tutoring. So um, adapting. How's that change? How's that? How have you adapted with that? Um, I haven't. Like, I mean, I'm, to be honest, like I was, just, I just did what I had to do in terms of um, getting the work done. Did I get it done immediately? No, I got it done on my own time because I think that um, adapt, like changing to a um, a platform online, and then also hearing about so much going on in the outside world, it was very hard for me to balance my attention. And so there were some days where I didn't feel as motivated. Um, tutoring is definitely, I feel like it's even harder online. You, it's a lot more preparation. And so um, that may, I guess, continue. But to be honest, there's nothing else that I really would need to adapt to because I've been doing it already now. Well, I kind of disagree with you, Danny D, because we just announced your Georgetown acceptance. So, you know, this does have implications for your future, right? Like, what does this mean for law school? Like, are you able to go to D.C.? If you do go to D.C., are you just in your apartment in D.C.? You know, like, those are things that, that I guess, like... Uh, well, I wouldn't want to move. To be honest, I wouldn't want to move unless I knew that I was going to be um, starting school on campus, physically on campus. Um, I feel like there's no sense, honestly, for me to move if I know that I'm going to have to be using the computer online for school. I would rather stay here, um, you know, save up or whatever I can do than to just like uproot and still be stuck inside. Um, so honestly, I think what's making it a little bit more difficult, thank you for reminding me, um, is that I don't know, like it's the unknown. No one knows for sure what's happening in the fall. And this will be my first time actually like apartment shopping. Like when I got my first apartment it was through a lottery. So I didn't really have to like look for places, but now I have to actually like look for places. What does that look like when you're, when is the pandemic? Like when can I go out? And I personally wouldn't want to find an apartment a week before classes start. Like I actually want to, you know, do it at least a month in advance so that I can get myself adapted to, you know, DC. And so thanks for bringing that up. I really, it's just the fear of the unknown of not knowing what's going on. So that's actually a really good uh, point because, um, so something I just recently found out be with, with people going to college is that because of this pandemic, there's some students who are suing their universities to like, pay them back for like housing that they paid for um meals that they paid for like basically non-educational expenses that they paid for already and colleges ha are actually having a very tough time actually figuring this all stuff out right because you know it it's the finances of it you know it's true you know there are a lot of students who are in your position who either a might have already paid money to go to college and now they're back at home and or need to and they can't go you know they paid for housing they can't be how they can't be in, on campus because of the virus so they have to go back either a at home and they don't even a have um housing back from where they come from so we're you know some universities aren't providing for them so there's like i know students in harvard who, i don't know them but i heard about students in harvard who are like going through that issues and suing the suing harvard over that students back in california doing the same thing so um again this is just a, another another factor of a sector that is going to completely change just the finances of it because a lot of people are suing these colleges but people don't understand that colleges a lot of colleges people think are profitable but they're not profitable in the way you think about it right like people say oh they have mad money in their endowments yeah the endowments are really are non-liquid assets right so a lot of the money that you've already paid for early on has already left the door. So people are suing these colleges. And I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, they have all their rights too to sue the university, but it's like the university doesn't really have the money already. And they're in a, the university now is in a tough position because like, yeah, like they can't, they're under by state mandates, can't open classes and it's not safe. Are you gonna go back to school? If it's, even if the university, if Georgetown said like, hey, you, we can, we're opening up, but there isn't a, there isn't a vaccine. There, you know, the, the, the virus is still out there. Are you gonna go? Like, you know, so it's a, it's a very unique and challenge that a lot of universities and people in your position, students in your position have to, you know, go through together. And again, to re reiterate what Cruz said, I think we all have to be patient and really reevaluate all these things. And I feel like we shouldn't have to choose between our health and our education. Like, you know, I think this, the schools are, like you said, they, they need their money. And so they, I'm sure that if they, they could open up the schools today, they would. Um, and so, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's only time will tell, um, but I just really wish we knew. 
Yeah, I agree with you both. And I think that we can um, like even push this conversation a little further when we have the conversation on education period because my sister is, a, is about to be a freshman and she she has committed to cues but even that is having a some weird um like notions about how they want to move forward um just so we can be on time because we do want to make sure we're not chewing our viewers listeners ears off we're going to go into the next topic which is tale of two cities and we can just be brief on this it's actually going to lead into our next one but um, Manhattan versus Brooklyn. So uh, for me, why is policing looking, feeling, sounding different in different communities in NYC, especially during this pandemic? Um, I think something that's very unfortunate is that as a Black person, race is just going to always be a part of your existence, whether you want it to be or not. And I think it's even more exhausting knowing that like even during this pandemic, like people are being treated differently. I saw an article initially on Facebook, which I think is from Business Insider, which was like, you know, stop shaming people for going outside. It's actually low risk and, you know, it's necessary or something of that nature. But, um, and I don't know, I don't know the nature of the folks who were arrested by police, but what I do know is um, the second guy that was knocked down by that, like, uh, Spanish, Latino, whatever officer um, that's currently on desk duty, like, it was very unnecessary the actions he took. That young man did not have any weapon. He was not threatening him. And I just think, like, why, why are we seeing this? When we have Cuomo and de Blasio on TV, like doing all this work and, and talking all this talk, but I feel like, are they truly walking the walk? Are they truly addressing these issues? Are these, peop are these communities in Manhattan being policed in the same ways? Like, how do we continue to hold these people accountable even in a pandemic? Like, I guess that's where my question is. I don't think policing is actually different. I think it's the same. It's now we're noticing again, because of this pandemic, we're noticing a lot more. I think our, our Black and Latino communities have always been over-policed before this virus in the first place, right? So what, and, like, and same thing with white communities. So cops were never, in the, were, were never in 14th Street like that in the first place or downtown Brooklyn and all these other spots where white people majority go out and, and are, are not practicing social distancing. They're normally in the hood. Probably in Brooklyn, you know, in, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, in the South Bronx, they're in these troubled neighborhoods. So what we're seeing in this, t in the while they're enforcing, you know, social distancing, they're going to enforce it where they are. I mean, it's not, and I'm not saying this to, um, and I hope people are not thinking I'm saying it be to, to defend it. I'm saying it to just show light of exactly what the situation is at, you know. <clears throat> and a New York Times article just came out. So like, there've been 40 arrests. Um, during social distancing so far, and like out of the 40 arrests, 35 of them, and rather say 35 of them are black, you know? So it, there is true disparity in it. And again, as we're, we're looking at this problem, I think we need to then look at why is policing like this? How do we really shift the narrative of like, you know, when we get out of this, how, how policing should be? You know, which neighborhoods need to be policed more and, or, 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 or needs to be effectively policed, you know? So uh, again, like I said, it's a conversation that we're gonna see more um, then do you have anything to say about it? No, to be honest, I don't. I think it's just, uh, it's very frustrating because this is a conversation that we've been having for a very long time. And I'm sure people were having these conversations before we were born and before they were born too. And so like, for me, it's very hard to even think about like any type of solution. Like how do they decide, you know, like, I don't even know. I wish, I really wish I could be a fly on a wall um you know during their their trainings like literally like how do you decide you know these are the communities that we are like i, I can remember watching looking at a meme where side by side you see the grass um so many white people in the grass hanging out not social distancing and you see a cop a friendly quote-unquote cop giving a um a mask to one of them and on the other side you see a cop like you know placing his 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 um, knee on the neck of a black man, like two 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 different experiences with two people doing the same thing, and yet it's the black and brown bodies that are being you know taken advantage of, and so like that's it's just really frustrating. And like you said, this is not something that you know this isn't something that's new. This is just something that you know we're seeing more of simply because we're all inside and there's cameras everywhere. I agree with you, Danny D, as far as like, let's not only forget they're doing the same exact, oh, I don't, again, I don't know what the situation was in Harlem, whether they were breaking up social distancing, but it's like, and we're literally in the same city, right? We're probably like a mile, a few miles away, but it's like, it's crazy. And for me, like, I'm just at a point where I think the, 
activist in me, like in Syracuse, like I was able to be so on hand with like the community. And I feel like it's a little more different now because I'm teaching and like that shit is exhausting in itself. But being home and seeing this, it sparked something anywhere. It's like, how do we hold people accountable? Like that's my biggest thing. Accountability needs to be had for these people. And one thing I think about kind of like you, like we're just tired of hearing the same shit, seeing the same shit. It's like, what do we do now, right? What do black police officers say and do when they see this? Are you encouraging this? Like, is it the blue over the black code or whatever the fuck it is? Like, when you go home to your families, do you guys talk about this? Cuomo, do you discuss this with your daughters? Do you discuss this with your staffers? Do your staffers bring this to you? Like, what what is the conversations being had? I think another thing for me is just like, uh, de Blasio is claiming the April data for social distancing should be released next Friday. This article is on CNN and it was released this past Friday. So by the 15th next week, we should have summonses from April. Um, my thing is like, how do we fix this? Because I'm with you. I'm, I'm over crying. I'm over being a fucking social uh, Instagram justice warrior. What do we do? I think mother, we need to pull out. Where's the gangsters? Y'all out here fucking shooing each other. Pull up on these niggas in they southern fucking honky donkey towns and let's get it the fuck popping. I'm on some real Malcolm X shit because I'm no try to be civilized. Like the fact that this man's brother Ahmad Arbery, why the fuck did it take his birthday week to make an arrest for something that happened in February? Why is his family relieved that an arrest was made? If I ever get killed. Blow these niggas out. I don't give a fuck. Blow these niggas up. Find, find a connect. Get on fucking <laughs> get on PayPal. Blow these niggas up. I'm dead ass. I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I under again. Um, the frustration is understandable. For the longest, I something I've kind of understood is that like yo. If a cop is if a cop kills uh, an unarmed black person or even a, a civilian, he they're going to be prosecuted by the prosecution, right? By right there, by default, there's a conflict of interest. You cannot even, that's what I'm saying. We keep on asking for them to get, of course, they're not going to get arrested because okay, they so question. Right. You know what I mean? So, so like, what do you think, what so, do you so, think black me, people need to do? So, so that's what I'm saying. So like, out of all these marches and protests, I would think we would be asking for like, oh, why Why isn't there like in each region and uh, when, when these cases happen, an objective or uh, an outside party that investigates it, right? I've never heard any politician, anybody bring that up, right? So these are, so who this would, would be, who would the objective party be? It would be okay. It could be an, it could be again. It could be an outside investigation. It could be the fa- it, it, again because, because I definitely had I definitely heard I can, I wish I could and, and pinpoint it, but I've definitely heard people ask for um, outside investigations um, when they feel like you know um, the jury it's too close. Yeah, but it's, but my, it's not even. It's, that should be a constant, though. People, yeah, you're right. People st- tend to do that when there's like, like in that case, that um, where the guy got shot in, I forgot his name, Ahmad. The reason why the first time he didn't get, it, it, he didn't. Get, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm butchering his name. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, no, you're fine. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the the reason why he didn't, well, why the the police didn't investigate the arrest of men the first time was because the prosecutor, the judge, or whatever, knew the cops. They were caught that that shot him. They knew them. And then the second time, the person who did arrest them pretended and shit also knew them too. So it's like, you know, we need to, well, when we're, when we're fighting or when we're protesting, we need, that's what I'm saying. We really need to understand and take a step back first and really understand how these things are, are operating so we can properly attack it. I don't necessarily know that you're right. There might've already been a, a big push when we're talking about our voting rights. Again, all this is are connected a little bit. When we're talking about like, you know, oh, people need to go out and vote. This is when, like, when you listen to politicians, when you say, oh, what are you going to do for my community? These are the kind of questions you need to ask and being able to understand when they give you a rebuttal. Because a guy, a politician can easily say, yeah, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But if that X, Y, and Z isn't technically applicable to how it's actually played out, it doesn't work. He's just pandering you. Um, But all I'm saying, long story short, is I really hope that a lot of this loop, we find a way to get out of it because it's, it's gonna, like, I don't know, like, I see it's a constant, it's a constant thing. It happens all the time. It's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It's, it's, it's disturbing. Go ahead, crew. So I wanted to just piggyback off of something you said, which I do think is important with them, is uh, the whole, like, voting for local officials. So it went, in regards to the 35 out of 40 arrests, the Brooklyn DA, who's Eric Gonzalez, says that he will not be prosecuting any of those crimes. And then I seen something on Twitter. I don't know if it was like a positive jab or a negative shade, but it was something like, 
I don't know. It, it seemed like what they were saying is like, yeah, because he knows this is some bullshit. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. I can't find the tweet now. But um, I agree with you in the sense that like, um, there is a cycle, right? Like there is a there is a formality that has to be followed. And I do understand that different districts, especially backward ass, racist ass, southern ass states like Georgia, um, they have they have their their connected lynching families and lynching and KKK families and all that jazz. Um, not everyone, obviously, but and I'm a black Panther shit for real. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really am because I'm really fucking irritated and I'm just tired of this. Like, I really feel like I'm gonna have to go to law school even if I don't fucking want to because it's like, how else is there gonna be change or how, like, there can be change on a small level, but the reality is, like, if you're not in positions, if you're not in positions of power where you know people or you have connections, like, the reality is, the or money, these things are going to continue to happen. I guess for me, I just wish we didn't need to do that. I guess we're. Well, we do. No, that's the thing. Though. We yeah, live right we, now. We didn't need to do that. Sorry, crew, to cut you off. But like, it shouldn't need. For, we've. Ugh. No, no. So, so actually, I'm sorry, Danny. Actually, the thing is, it does. Like, we need to be, and that's the thing. A lot of it. We, hey, and, I found it. This is what it was saying. It was like, this is why we need more people of color as district attorneys and lawyers and da 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 da. Because I guess the point with Eric Gonzalez is, he. I, I'm gonna assume he's a person of color, and he obviously knows that you know, the struggles of his people and realize that these are not offenses that I need to take serious. Even though I, I believe they said they weren't going to be taking them serious. Anyway, the point is, we do need more Black people in positions of power. Even when we think about how the medical field, like how people are being treated, not just in Corona, but in general, right? Like, we do need people to represent. Um, I'm not going to, uh, I don't know if this person wants to be shouted out, but a certain person in our class is 2014. You know, she's in her last year of med school. And I cannot wait to see what she does in her field for Black people. Um, especially like her experience throughout this whole thing. I, I, I really cannot see who she becomes um, because I do like there just needs to be more black people at the forefront to represent for our people and 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 and, 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 and like get those changes happening. Um, but when we think about this, um, I just want to when I said earlier about social activism, I don't it's nothing wrong with being on social media because obviously that is what has pushed them to do their fucking jobs that they get paid to do from fucking home right now. Um, but I guess like, how do we, how do we continue to grapple with this? I'm someone that wants three sons. I'm someone that wants my kids to be as black or blacker than me. And I, I honestly feel like I want to apply for citizenship in Canada or somewhere else, because I don't know that this place is safe. I don't know that I realistically want to raise my children in a place where they have to have anxiety about being a, a child one, being black, two, no, being black one, and then everything else after. You know, like I was a long time ago, I read this article about a woman and her husband who moved their kids out of the United States because they just felt it was too toxic here and their families were judging them for it. And if I find out, I'll share with you guys in our chat. But I'm really, I mean, I'm not going to move back to Africa shit, but I'm on some like, I don't want yeah. some. No, no, seriously. See, I, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's literally the, the first, like, the only solution in the first thing. Like, nah, I'm not but, but, I, but honestly, it may be because in Ghana, that is the solution if you really I was from Panama. The Virgin Islands, I look like them and they embrace me. And honestly, I feel like, but we shouldn't have to leave America, right? Because we didn't ask to be here in the first place. America needs to adjust to us. You guys fucking brought us here. And now you treat us like the same porch monkeys you thought of us to be. Look, like I said, again, it, it's, it's, I think you're asking some very good questions. Um, it's from tough realization about the world we live in. It, it just gotta, just gotta realize that like, this is, this is it, right? Um, Wait, what do you mean by this is it? Sorry. As in like, this is the, this is the society we live in. There's a lot of, it's again, there's a lot of, um, I think that's the problem. I feel like people are becoming desensitized to this. It's not, like, about, it's not, not but, only, it's not only adults that are like seeing over and over again, but can we talk about the young kids who are watching this, who have access to the same social media and social and other platforms like we do? Can you imagine them every day hearing about a black or brown body who shot dead in the street for no apparent reason? Can you imagine them thinking like, dang, like the only thing that I can look up, like the only thing that like that that is is most likely gonna happen to me is either I'm going to be, you know, locked up in somebody's jail or dead without being harassed or targeted. Um, 
by 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 police officers I, I, and, and not even just police officers we're also talking about other um white people privileged people in power when i say like you know understanding a realization of the world we live in there's a there's a there's a level of empowerment in that right when you understand something you understand when you understand it fully you have the, uh, the ability to really maneuver around it and maneuver positively in it right the reality like you said a few minutes ago is this is america race is america's beast and I can raise my sons however I want to raise them, but the reality is the minute they leave my doorstep, whether they're holding my hand, whether they are just laughing and playing with a fellow neighbor, their livelihood is threatened immediately. Like they, they, it, it, it is just automatically threatened. Whether I raise them with love and understanding themselves as a human being first and then what it means to be black next, whatever, the reality is as long as my kids are raised on American motherfucking soil, they will forever be at risk of being a fucking statistic in whatever way, whether it's being a statistic of being, God forbid, anything negative in what we've seen, or being a statistic of, oh, like you didn't turn out to be not much or whatever it is. I just feel like the reality is black and white people have a very different version of America and what they experience on a regular basis. And what I'm not gonna say like opportunities don't exist, but I feel like some of us are so happy about our opportunities and so thankful and so massive thank you that we don't realize like we're still not getting the best that we could fucking have because we don't have basic freedom. The fact that a man felt that 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 Ahmad Aubrey had to answer him. Me and my cousin talked about this. She actually lives in Georgia and is and and, and she actually is like a. a probation officer and she talks about the racist shit that she sees on the regular the comments they make about her fucking here on the regular like it's a bigger issue the fact like to me the way they rolled up on Ahmad Arbery was like some real come here boy why over here boy like that real like you're emasculating a black man thing so yeah we could say like oh like you could raise your kids to like you know be free thinkers or whatever the reality fucking is even when you're telling officers, I know my rights, I would never forget being with an ex-boyfriend. A woman was searching a, a male and he said, yo boy, she not supposed to be searching you. She a female. What you said? Come here. Come here. I didn't run because I didn't do nothing wrong. He ran off and he's like, yo, come on. And I'm like, I didn't do nothing wrong. She stops me. He's my man. So of course he came back and she gave me a ticket for disturbing the peace. I literally did nothing. So honestly, fuck cops. I don't fuck with them. I really don't fuck with them because in my experience with them, it's always been negative. It's, it's always been negative and it's, and it's always your fucking people too. Like y'all do not stand up for you. Thank you. Thank you. No what one's you bringing that up. No one has That's why I said what I said up. about, is it code blue or code black when you're in that uniform? Because to me, you have a fucking position in that position when you see something happening. Thank you, crew. Thank no one. I feel like we we tiptoe around that topic. It's so layered. There's so many layers there. But so, so, crew. I mean, again, your frustration is understandable. But again, Another issue is white people that with their white privilege need to also be allies in this work. You need to hold your nasty ass uncles at your fucking barbecues and whatever y'all fucking do. Like, have these conversations. Don't fucking go to their baby shop if you're really not fucking with them. Like, well, my is, do we need them to do that or do we need the system? Not we, because I ain't white and I don't got white privilege. That's what white people need to do. No, no, but what, what I'm saying is, do we need. What we do we need them to do that or do we need the institutions to be held there? And I'm not just asking this as a question because I'm thinking we about need both. we need both. All right? we do we need the institutions? Well, the only way that it's not gonna be held accountable is if we have, unfortunately, it's the truth. Um, the only way they're gonna be held accountable is if we also have them as allies, like those white people as our allies, yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, because it shouldn't it shouldn't even be the case. It shouldn't be the case. That's and so wisdom, true. you've expressed that in previous episodes when we've talked about race. You yeah, talk no, no. The white ally. No, I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not saying. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not. This again. I was asking the question in the sense of like, which I guess, what's the value in in our, our white allies? Right? Technically, we've been having white allies for a while, right? Like, isn't it, they, they, they've, they've been literally they've been abolitionists, white abolitionists in this country since the founding of this country. Really, like I learned this in social, right? So, like, we have had. I'm not. And again, I'm only posing this question because I don't know the answers either, right? And like, again, you said we have, there's a lot of black people in places of power now. We need more black people in places of power, right? And what are, the, what are these black people doing when they get to these spots? How are they changing it? Do they have the ability to change it? It's because what I'm talking about is we need institutional change. Well, what you're really, because you're not gonna change white people 
and I, and I, and I might think I don't care to change white people anymore. Like I don't care to have them be, I don't, if they're racist. That's not the issue. The issue is, that's not the issue. I hear what you're saying, but I think the other piece is not just having black people in power. The reality is white people are born with a privilege in this country. Like, yeah, of course. And I think for me, it's more like, I don't think white people know how to use their white privilege. That's the real issue. They don't know what it means to, 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 to they don't know how to use their privilege because everything comes to them. I will never forget, and we can wrap after this because I know I'm Danny D has to go and she does our lesson of the day. Um, I will never forget being at a diversity and inclusion conversation at my school because, you know, the white teachers love to come to these motherfucking black communities and teach no shade, no tea, because they are needed. They, they, they are needed to go back to their communities and talk about their experiences and help their fucking racist ass communities, you know, get out of that mindset. But at the same time, I also feel like when we have these diversity and equity inclusion conversations, the guy said, you know, it's usually always the same faces, the same hands being raised. And it's always black people. What? you know, he was trying to invite white people into the conversation. Like, you guys need to also be a part of this. When you guys aren't participating, we aren't helping move the conversation further. And I think the real issue is that white people don't know how to acknowledge racism and they don't know how to acknowledge their white privilege or use it. And I think if we, if we don't push them or force them a, or, you know, have them as allies, you know, we're doing ourselves a disservice because the reality is a lot of times you, you, you get into the club because of these white allies. I was watching the becoming a, uh, documentary and someone asked like oh well why did michelle obama have all these white women around her and i'm like well to be honest they probably had the resources like no shade no tea one benefit of white folks is money resources people that they know connections and i think that we just need to figure out ways to, to help them figure out how they can help us or help the movement forward um yeah because and i i hate one thing i hate is when people are like oh there's only one race a human race well tell that to your white supremacist fucking uncles and aunties that are running the fucking country because they don't give a fuck about that um but we're gonna wrap because clearly <laughs> this is a very uh it's a very loaded topic and i think that like you know we will continue to um have these conversations and that kind of goes into like the lesson of the day for today like just thinking about um the coronavirus, like the pandemic that we're going through right now, we're seeing how, you know, being a person of color, we're being impacted the most, not necessarily, not only due to the pandemic, but also due to like the policing strategies. So we see that there. Um, we see still our black, our black brothers and sisters being shot dead for apparently no reason, not only by um, people who are in law enforcement, but also like people from like regular like society. And we see that happening. And so as although it's very tiring although you know you know sometimes it gets frustrating although like you know it messes up our mental like i think what's best the best thing to do is to take a break of course take that mental break um do whatever you need to do to get your your, your mind right but let's continue to have these conversations. Let's continue to speak up. Let's continue to fight. Let's continue to get into these positions of power. Let's continue to, you know, push um, for white allies. Let's just continue to do it because um, that's the only way that we're going to see some type of change. And it's going to take a while, of course, but we need to continue to, to fight. Um, and so with that being said, y'all, thank you for tuning in to Bones to Pick Podcast. Um, please make sure that you leave us reviews on our iTunes um, iTunes podcast section on Apple. Um, I think it is on Apple. Um, so please make sure you leave a review there. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Bones to Pick Podcast. Um, and if you have any feedback, et cetera, just let us know so that we can implement it into our next episode. Until next time. <laughs>